Hey, history lovers. I'm Mike Rosenwald with Retropod, a show about the past rediscovered. In 1951, a man named Dan Robbins began working at Palmer Paint Company in Detroit. He had just left the Army Signal Corps where he was a cartographer. Now, instead of spending his days making maps, Robbins was learning to design children's coloring books. He was a real go-getter. He wanted to take coloring to a whole new level. So he went to the company's owner, Max Klein, and proposed a product not for children, but for adults. Instead of a coloring book, Robbins suggested a coloring canvas with pre-drawn lines. It would look like a colorless stained glass window. Each blank segment would contain a number corresponding to a capsule of paint included with the set. Sound familiar? It was an idea that eventually became a phenomenon for kids and adults alike. Paint by number. Robbins put together a prototype of his idea, a canvas with a still life drawn on it called Abstract Number One. He described the design as a mix of Picasso, Brock, and Robbins, which sounds interesting. Klein immediately rejected it. He was a brusque boss who wasn't into abstract art. Abstracts, he said, are for people who call themselves artists but can't paint worth a damn. He asked Robbins to explore more classic images, landscapes, florals, animals, things people would want to hang in their own home. So that's what Robbins did. Sales started slow, but took off after a big New York toy show. Paint by Numbers was a huge hit. For $2.50 a set, parents could occupy their children with an artistic activity. Adults could dig into a new hobby, painting canvases to impress friends and family. There were patterns for everyone. Parisian street scenes, kittens with balls of yarn, even biblical scenes. More discerning customers could even paint Leonardo da Vinci's Last Supper or the Mona Lisa. There were even some tasteful nudes for the avant-garde crowd. In fact, it was da Vinci who inspired Robin's creation. I had heard, Robin said, that da Vinci used to use diagrams and number them when he was instructing his students in painting. It was a different artist who inspired the company's slogan, Every Man a Rembrandt. By the early 1950s, paint-by-number kits became a common household item reaching $80 million a year in sales. Even J. Edgar Hoover, the Mr. No Fun FBI director, and President Eisenhower joined the craze. Paint-by-number masterworks, they were displayed even in the White House. But despite its high-profile fans, art and cultural critics did not respect the invention. One person wrote into American Artist magazine bemoaning the laziness of paint-by-number set users. Can't you rescue these souls, or should I say, morons? The phrase paint-by-number became a synonym for lack of creativity. But it also came to evoke great nostalgia. Even after the sets disappeared from the shelves around 1960, 
Robin's idea left a colorful mark on people's lives. In 2001, the Smithsonian's National Museum of American History premiered an exhibit called Paint by Number, Accounting for Taste in the 1950s. The exhibit showcased paint-by-number canvases from the famous, like J. Edgar Hoover, to the not-so-famous. Many people still own those creations, even if they are sitting in a dusty basement somewhere. The exhibit's curator said the museum was flooded with letter writers who described paint-by-number as an introduction to art, a pastime for families, an escape in difficult times. Robbins died in early April. Back in 1999, in an interview with the Chicago Tribune, he reflected on what it was like to know that his designs were the basis of so many amateur paintings all over the country. He said, People took pride in their own creation. It's really their painting. I'm Mike Rosenwald. Thanks for listening. This episode was adapted from a story written by Emily Langer for The Washington Post. For more forgotten stories from history, visit WashingtonPost.com slash Retropod.